Good morning, Romans class. We'll begin with a word of prayer and a reading from the scriptures, Romans 14, the second half of Romans 14, verses 13 through 23. So let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for, uh, thank you for you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace that you've brought to us through Jesus Christ, your son. Help us, Lord, to now look to your word and to grow as a church and as individuals. Help us to see these truths about food and drink and about ceremonial days. Help us to understand, Lord, how we are to live together as a church, how we are to have a non-judgmental attitude toward one another over such things, that these things are not moral issues, that these things are not necessary issues that these are not areas of strict command but the principles that the apostle paul gives us is to be pursuing peace and joy and unity to pursue a non-judgmental attitude or to pass judgment on other people's opinions about things in areas where they are just simply opinions um, there are many there are areas in scripture where you've not spoken to us but you've guided us on the heart that we should have dealing with such matters. So help us understand the heart of these things, the truth behind it, and that you are pushing us toward joy, peace, and to a sacrificial laying down of our freedoms or rights uh, for the sake of others' consciences temporarily at times. Help us to understand that. Amen. Okay, so... Happy Mother's Day to you all, all you mothers out there, Sunday afternoon. I'm thankful for mothers, thankful for my mother, I'm thankful for my wife, who's the mother of my three children, Emma, Liam, and Ava. She's doing a good job with them. You can pray for Elizabeth, she needs your prayers. Our kids are five, three, and one, so we need prayer. <laughs> okay, well, let's take a look at God's Word and get into it a little bit. Starting at verse 3, therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. It's not worth it. <laughs> All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. 
The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. Okay, so looking back at verse 13, I would say this is a major point of Paul's message for us, and that is a therefore. So, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. So with regard to those matters of opinions, looking back at Romans 14, 1, it says, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. So bringing up that these are matters of opinion. This is not strict commands from the Lord regarding food and drink and ceremonial days anymore. God doesn't have strict commands on those things for us in the new covenant. But he does give, Paul and Jesus do give us guiding principles in this portion of scripture regarding this area. And that is to be sensitive to people in these matters. And be willing to lay down your freedoms, the, the rights you have in Christ. You don't have to make full use of your rights as a Christian. You can be sensitive to others and not do things. It's kind of like eating. Yes, you can eat um, any moment of any day. And you can also refrain from eating for a day to fast. So, it's kind of like that. But let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this. So, Paul wants us to determine this in our mind. Not to judge, but we need to determine in our mind, as those who are weak or strong, to not put an obstacle or a stumbling block in our brother's way. Now, it's especially emphasizing to those who are mature or strong who believe they can eat or drink and not worship on certain ceremonial festival days. We have to determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. That should be the desire and the determining factor in our mind, not pass judgment, but determine to be sensitive to our brother or sister in Christ and what their spiritual needs are, where their conscience is, where their heart is on matters, and be sensitive to that. Not simply just stomp all over them and, and just stomp on them. Don't need to do that. We can be sensitive and gentle. Verse 14, Paul's going to tell us the truth about what the New Covenant teaches regarding food and drink and ceremonial days. Verse 14, I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. So the term unclean in the Old Testament, especially if you read the book of Leviticus, talks the word unclean occurs a lot in that book of Scripture. Uh, the Jews especially in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, through the law of Moses, had many, many restrictions regarding food. Uh, part of, and you can read and study some of the reasons why that was. It wasn't that food was necessarily unclean in and of itself. Those restrictions were there for other reasons. So pork wasn't like it was a bad meat. God wasn't trying to spare people for health reasons necessarily on that issue. 
But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. And so a Jew who's accustomed to Leviticus and living Leviticus out and living out the ceremonial laws of Moses is still used to that in their conscience. And it might be really difficult for them to let that go and to move past that yet coming to Christ now in this early time. This is a transition time from for uh, the church is being built right now. This is something new. This is the mystery revealed is Jesus Christ building the church, his new institution on the earth at this time. And the church has a new covenant. And people of Israel were the building blocks and the foundation blocks of the church, the apostles, all Jewish men. Uh, the Council of Elders in Jerusalem, likely all Jewish men that were a part of the first uh, Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. Uh, and and the Jewish men went out and established churches, Paul and Barnabas, both Jewish men, Barnabas a Levite. Both went and established and taught at the church in Antioch. And then from Antioch, they were sent out by the three other pastor elders and were sent on their first, second, and third missionary journeys out into the further out in the northern Mediterranean. So clean and unclean. The Jews were the foundation building blocks, but Gentiles were already flocking into the church in large mass numbers. So Paul is dealing with this issue between Jews and Gentiles in this first century AD context. And what God gives us for revelation on how he wants us to interact with each other as individuals in our personal lives and as a church body and assembled together on the Lord's day. How we are to treat one another to how we are to be sensitive to one another. What Paul wants us to know is that he understands that the old covenant is fading away, just as the author of Hebrews says. The old is fading away and is ready to disappear. And that was written in 69 AD. And then the, the, the temple and was destroyed a year later by Titus Vespasian. I believe that marks uh, God and his sovereign power of the ending of the temple and of the ceremonies that were required in the Old Testament and as a judgment upon the rest of the unbelieving part of the nation of Israel. And it's a firm dividing, distinguishing line, just as when the curtain was torn in two when Jesus was crucified, uh, major significant events were happening. What God was doing, God tore the curtain in half in the temple. And it's God that had a Gentile... Um, army come in and destroy Jerusalem technically for the last time and destroy the temple and the temple has not been rebuilt since uh, the age of the church is here and is now by God's will and we can be thankful for that and there's many things to learn about that we don't have time to go into detail about that right now but Jesus and his ministry talked about how foods were to be made clean you can read that in Mark 7 uh, 14 through 21, he talks about uh, food, what goes into a man is not what defiles a man. It's the matters of the heart 
and what comes out of the man, his speech, his thoughts, his lusts, his jealousy. These are the things that actually defile a man, all moral issues. And he's pointing to the morality of the law and that food isn't really the issue. The dietary restrictions aren't moral issues. They are ceremonial issues. They are things that are symbolic and point to certain things that God has uh, placed upon people for a time until the time of Reformation, as the author of Hebrews says. These dietary restrictions are here. They are elementary things. They are not the real thing. Uh, they were just there for a time until the time of Reformation, and the Reformation is the new covenant. It is the new wine. It is the new law that Jesus, the King, brings to Jews and Gentiles and brings them into one spiritual organism, the church, which is to glorify, serve him, and to be his salt and light on the earth together. So food is, is not an issue for Paul. But moving on to verse 15. To him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. And so let's take a look at this. For if, because of food, your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Okay, so that that section of scripture, we ought to care about that. Just like we shouldn't put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way, Paul repeats himself and says, don't hurt your brother with your ability to eat a certain food that he believes to be unclean, possibly, in front of him. That could hurt his conscience. That could hurt his feelings. And that shouldn't be the attitude that we should care about. We should be sensitive to one another's feelings and personal opinions and not seek to just walk over each other and be like, well, don't you know food's not a big deal? That's not the attitude Paul wants us to have. That's not the attitude Christ wants us to have. He wants us to have an attitude that's unwilling to hurt our brother for no reason. Uh, unwilling to hurt our brother, even if that brother or sister needs to grow and mature in, in their knowledge on this area and understand that we should be able to eat this meal together. It's, that should not be the point. The point should be walking according to love. Walking according to love is to not hurt somebody else. That you, to walk according to love means that you would lay down your rights so somebody doesn't feel hurt by you. So restricting yourself, restricting yourself. Do not destroy your with food him for whom Christ died. Okay, Christ purchased that individual. And that should be the mentality we keep on our mind. This person was purchased by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and paid the ultimate sacrifice to save this person's soul. It is not that big of a deal for God to ask me to be sensitive to care about not hurting his feelings by eating a certain food group in front of him that would, to him, cause him pain or hurt or feel like we're doing something wrong against immoral against God. Verse 16, therefore do not let us for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. And so unfortunately, the weak brother could judge us as doing something evil. But Paul wants us, the strong, to avoid that. He wants the strong to avoid the weaker person passing judgment on us potentially and calling what we're doing evil. 
He wants us to try to avoid that from happening. And the strong need to be sensitive and to strive to not have that happen, to not let the weaker brother or sister have an opportunity for their conscience to judge us in regard to uh, these foods and drinks. And Paul says why. Here's, here's going after the heart again. Not only did Christ die for this person, verse 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not, it's not about eating and drinking, but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So not only did Christ die for this individual, Paul wants us to know something about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not about our new freedoms and the new covenant. Though those things are there, those are benefits, those are blessings. We don't have food restrictions. But that's not ultimately what the kingdom of God is about in the new, in the new covenant. Paul says the kingdom of God is about righteousness. Okay, it is about morality. The morality that's in the old covenant is still in the new. But there's something further. The second thing he says is the new covenant is about peace. And what do we always read in Romans here? The ministry of reconciliation. God is making peace. God is reconciling. And then God is bringing joy. And I want you to focus on those last two. Paul is trying to make peace and joy between Gentiles and Jews in the church. And this principle is a leading principle that's going to make that possible. And the kingdom of God, Paul says, is about peace with God and peace with one another. And as Ephesians 2 says, to us Gentiles and to Jews, God has broken down the dividing wall, the barrier wall between Jews and Gentiles. The Gentiles that were in the outer courts that would, could come and worship God but were not full-blown Israelites by blood, that has been broken down now. The Gentiles can come in and the Jews and we can be in the same, the same exact vicinity in a church building or wherever and worship God together with no restrictions or boundaries from one another as God had prescribed before. Jews and Gentiles are to live in peace and harmony and to worship God and joy in the Holy Spirit now. That is what the kingdom of God is truly about. The barrier and the dividing wall has been abolished through Jesus Christ. Sacrifice. And we, we, can be living examples of that by pursuing peace and joy with one another. Do we need to be about righteousness amongst one another? Yes, and what is right and what is true and speak the whole counsel of God and to teach and to mature uh, weaker brothers who don't understand that they can eat things now or drink things now? Absolutely. But it can be done so with grace and with the laying down of our rights temporarily until that person is ready to eat that meat or to drink that wine in the way that it can be. And, and to understand that they don't have to keep certain festival days or Sabbaths any longer. The kingdom of God is peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. Two points here in this little scripture. There's two people we should be striving to please. And I want you to notice the two terms Paul uses here. When we serve Christ, 
by laying down the rights and the freedoms that he has given us to be sensitive to our weaker brothers and sisters, we are doing something that is acceptable and beautiful to God. We are looking to Jesus Christ's example of sacrificial service, that he has all the rights as deity, yet he lays those prerogatives and rights down, empties himself of divine rights and prerogatives to take on human flesh and to serve sinful men that disrespect him and don't understand him and need to be taught gently and be pastored and brought along. We are walking like Christ and we are acceptable to Christ and to God when we serve that way as he did. And we are approved by men. So that weaker brother, that weaker man or woman, when they see us walking with them, alongside them, sensitively, they might not even know that we understand we have certain freedoms. They might not even know that we're laying those freedoms or rights down that we normally do do when we're in front of them or even at all during a certain period of life at home in our, in our private homes or in the church or in an assembly or out in town somewhere. They might not even know, but they will approve of us and approve of our walk because we are sensitive to them and their walk with Christ. And we look like them and how they do things when we're with them. Paul said this. Paul says he, he's a Jew when he's with the Jews and he's a Gentile when he's with the Gentiles in Corinthians. He says he strives to become all things to all men so that he might win some to Christ. In the new covenant, he can do that. He can. And so should we. We should be sensitive. We should be able to take on some, some of the identities of other people to a degree that it's not forbidden in Scripture so that they can approve of us and we can minister the gospel to them and the truths whether they're an un- a believer or unbeliever, I believe. So we need to do what's acceptable. This is an acceptable service to God and to Christ. And we need to strive to be approved by men and walking sensitively before them. And they will speak highly of us. They will approve of our walk, that we are walking godly in, in their minds and their consciences as the way they know to serve the Lord. Verse 19, so then we pursue the things which make for peace in the building up of one another. So going back to that verse about the kingdom of God, just two verses up, is peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Paul reiterates that term, pursue making peace. This is what the kingdom of God ultimately is about. Jew and Gentile coming together, making peace with one another. And Gentiles with just... No matter what, if you got a Jew-Gentile context or all Jewish context or Gentile context, you're going to have problems with people and their opinions about things. The principles here are to pursue love with one another, walking in love, as the passage says, pursuing peace so that everyone can have joy. And that's what the kingdom of God is supposed to be about, serving one another sacrificially in love, not passing judgment on each other's opinions, on non-moral issues. We need to build up one another. And that would include um, a good teaching as well, sensitive teaching. Verse 20, do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. This 
brother, once again, Paul's repeating that idea that this is the person for whom Christ died. God is doing a work in this person, and he is wants to build them up in the church. This is what the purpose of the church is. The purpose of the church is to build each other up. Everyone's been given spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit, and we're to be building each other up. Your fruit is for others to eat and to be growing from. You're to be pouring out your life as a servant or, or a a spokes there's speaking gifts and then there's a serving gifts you're going to fall into one of the two general categories you're going to be teaching and telling people about god or you're going to be serving and you're going to be doing both jesus served all the apostles served people and they taught servants uh, even some of the first deacons end up being very outspoken spokespersons so sometimes you're going to be sharing the gospel with people anyway Every Christian is told to be ready to give a defense for the hope that's within you. Everyone's told to be ready to speak to unbelievers on an individual level or in a group setting. We're all going to be speaking. We're all going to be serving. And obviously some gifts are going to be stronger than others. Well, it's true that some people are going to operate in their gifts as as pastors and teachers, especially going to be ministering to the word and to prayer. The elders, deacons are generally going to be servants, which is the title for their name and term to be serving, uh, dealing with business matters and serving the church and serving people in need and on tasks, whatever task needs to be done. So there's tasks and there's, and there's speaking. Both of these things are tasks. It's just one uses their mouth more than the other less. Maybe not necessarily. Some guys like to talk. I don't know. So we're to be building up one another. Verse 20, do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. And so right there, that's really important, that phrase. All things indeed are clean. In the new covenant, everything's clean. There is no unclean anymore. Those ceremonial laws are done away with. It, it, those things were not inherently unclean. Okay? Those things were not inherently unclean. It was, there was symbolism there, and there were certain restrictions there that God had imposed for a time until the time of Reformation, which is this new covenant. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. So strong men, mature men and women in Christ, Paul says, if we do give offense to somebody, that is wrong, that he does call that evil. If we do hurt a brother, if we do put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way and it hurts them, if we give offense in that way, we have done the wrong thing. Uh, we have, I believe Paul would say we have sinned. We're not walking in love as best we can, which is the thrust of the New Testament. We've missed the heart, the heart of God's teaching. Don't eat to cause and to give offense. Verse 21, it is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. That's a principle. That's a guiding principle for our lives. Be sensitive. Care about others. Care about God. Care about serving Christ and being acceptable to God and being approved by men by being sensitive to how they live. Verse 22, the faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. And I believe this is it would be true for both the strong and the weak in regard to this. Keep your own convictions, as Paul said. 
Do what's right by your own conviction, by your own conscience. Operate in that way of serving the Lord. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Okay, so um, this is talking about strong men or people that are maturing in this. They're happy in what they finally realize they are not condemning themselves to stop and refrain from, but what they are proving is, well, all things are clean. And and then they're happy about it. They're happy in the Lord. They're thankful. Uh, Like it says back in 14.6, he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat. And he gives thanks to God. So both the person who eats and the person who doesn't eat, they're both thankful, happy, and they're giving thanks to God. But this verse is talking about the person who finally does approve of what he previously thought to be unclean. He's happy. He's giving thanks, like it says in 14.6, that the Lord has made it possible for him to eat this thing now. And they're happy. They're grateful to God for that. Happy maybe for the first time on that issue. And the man who doesn't eat is still happy that the Lord has given him restrictions and he's happy to serve the Lord in that way. And he gives thanks to God for what he can eat. What he is allowed to, he's happy, he's thankful to God. Verse 23, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith and whatever is not from faith is sin. So here's the thing. If you are happy and approving of something that you previously thought to be unclean, or if you're used to that, but now you're like feeling a little bit of doubt around somebody else, go with your gut feeling, go with your conscience refrain. You're condemned. You should feel seared in your conscience. You feel should feel a little bit of condemnation, the text is saying, if you eat, but you had a little singling of doubt. Don't try to, don't try to push that doubt away with, with truth necessarily. In the, in the privacy of your home, maybe even be careful with that because of, you know, if your spouse or kids or something like that, you should still be sensitive possibly. Uh, with with truth, uh, you know, because there's the possibility of, you know, feeling feeling convicted possibly from angelic forces or in some kind of way that, you know, oh, feel condemned, you know, and there's a sense in which we fight back with the truth that all things are clean and something like that. But we should be very careful to be sensitive to conscience And if there is doubt about food or wine in a matter, we should, we should not do it because whatever, this would be not from faith. This should, this is not from a clear conscience type type of faith. If there is a little bit of doubt, Paul doesn't want us to transgress that. And he's saying that that's not a holistic faith in that moment. And whatever is not from a holistic, no doubting faith, it would be sin with regard to how the conscience works with our faith in the truth. So let's say, for an example, church context, elders meeting, we've got a family of Jews that are joining the church. And as the elders and different people get to know them, they still have a lot of Jewish ceremonies and rituals that they're doing and ceremonial law they're keeping. Um, and as we're making friends with them, um, the elders might make decisions uh, to try to figure out how to how to incorporate these people into the church and not give offense to them and as a church and 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 teach the church how to not give offense to them and how we're not going to have 
certain certain foods at our pot, potlucks or something like that, maybe for a time. Um, I don't know if that happens today. I haven't, haven't been aware. I'm, I'm just trying to be hypothetical here and how this maybe would, would pan out. Uh, following the thrust of the principle uh, that I used, I think, in my study notes, uh, personally, maybe this is over wine. You know, in the last 80 or so years, uh, fundamentalism sweeping through America, uh, strong convictions, strong articles from doctors, you know, certain denominations went away from drinking and, and zero dancing and, and started having a couple of restrictive policies that they followed in their churches and nowadays a number of people might struggle with past alcohol issues this could be an area where we strive to be sensitive to people in an area regarding alcohol how we would drink alcohol in front of other people or not drink and obviously we should be sensitive so, you know, you could have a believer who, who's very sensitive to alcohol and struggled with alcohol and is still struggling with that sin, potentially. Um, you, know, you wouldn't want to drink around them and just have a, a bottle of wine out on, on your um, kitchen countertop. If you're being hospital to, to them and, and showing fellowship, you notice that they're very sensitive around alcohol. And, and then if you notice that and you feel a little bit of something in your conscience about that, be sensitive to that and act upon that and do put that thing away and, and strive to be careful with that person and build that person up. So those are my examples. I, I hope this text helps. Uh, once again, I would encourage you to read Mark seven fourteen with Jesus on this issue. You can read Acts uh, 10, uh, Peter's vision on this issue, and then read Acts 10 all the way through uh, the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. These are all very good, helpful passages with regards to Jews and Gentiles coming together and uh, regarding food issues and ceremonial days and the laws of circumcision and, and things like that. So, Lord, thank you for this time. I pray that you would bless everybody in Sunday school and that you would be able to bring us back together into fellowship soon and that we would be able to study your word together, ask questions, love one another, uh, and be pursuing righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit because we are so excited to be a part of your kingdom and that you have called us into your marvelous light. Thank you for your grace and your mercy to us. Help us to be those who strive to walk in love and to be sensitive to our brothers and sisters in their areas of weakness and in their areas of strength. Help us to take all these principles, not to be judgmental, to be careful to only really truly care about moral issues and to be sensitive to one another and to lay down, understand that as a principle in our life, we should be understanding that we can lay down our, our freedoms and rights in Christ and we don't have to take full advantage of these things to serve you, Jesus Christ, to be approved by God and to be approved by men. Lord, help us to do these things for your glory and your fame and your honor's sake. Lord, help us to be good evangelists Help us all to learn your your word well and to be able to, to point other people to Jesus Christ with passion, with love, with sensitivity. Lord, help us understand that we are in this world to share the good news with those who need it. Help us to be on mission in our town, Lord, and to be ready to send missionaries to new places. You are great and you are good. Thank you for loving us. Help us, Lord to love you and others better. Amen.